I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This episode, the final one of 2020, I'm going to be shooting the breeze. So just hang on. Okay, so there is a thread on Twitter, and I don't know if it's in the corner of Twitter you frequent, but it's in mine. Um, And it's called, well, hold on, what was the title? Oh, it's um, by a person called going by the name Jordan. And then it has what I think is a, um, is a um, Zodiac symbol but like the Apple version of the Zodiac symbol. And so the best way I can describe it are, is a parentheses, um, but not facing each other. Instead of, instead of um, one facing to the left and one, one facing to the right and one facing to the left of the, of whatever you're trying to put in parentheses, they're backwards. So the first parenthesis is facing out. So it's essentially facing toward the left. Um, and the other parenthesis is facing toward the right. And then there's a line in between them. I don't know what zodiac sign that is. As a matter of fact, wait a minute. What happens if I do a fake tweet? I'm gonna do a fake tweet and then I'm gonna go to the zodiac thing. Cause I feel like it's those purple. I feel like I've seen those purple little icons yeah, yeah, yeah. On, um, that doesn't tell me what it is, girl. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I am the weird, but it's not even on here. So I don't know. Yes, it is. What does this mean? Does it tell you? Shoot. I don't know. It's a Zodiac sign. If you go to your purple app or not that purple app, if you go to Zodiac signs on, if you have Apple, I'm sure it's very similar if you go to, um, Android, but anyway, what I described anyway, I don't know why I spent all that time. <laughs> I do not know why I spent all that time describing a, a symbol, but I did. <laughs> Anyhow, um, let me go back to my point. Woo. This, see, this what happened when you don't have a co-host. Can't nobody bring you back. You get to bring yourself back. Anyway, it's Jordan with that, with that Zodiac sign and it's at J Cole, all under, under, um, lowercase underscore, lowercase J Cole, actual underscore, uh, lowercase X two and then the number two. So J Cole underscore times two is the, is probably what that looks like. Anyway, he said two days ago, or they said, I don't know how they identify, but he's got to do, they got to do rag on. They got a do-rag on in the in their little Avi picture with a sweater. And he's got like chin hair and a, and a mustache. Or they've got, I don't know how they identify. Anyhow, um, but uh, the, the caption was, what's the most chaotic scene or episode in reality TV history? And I was just like, ooh, okay, cool. And I think the first time I saw that, by the time you're listening to this, it's New Year's Eve. Um, and so the first time I saw it might've been, might've been Monday, might've been Monday. Um, probably Sunday. No, definitely. It was either Sunday night or Monday night. Anyway. Um, so I saw it and I, I ignored it and then I saw it again. Um, and it was, a, but this time it was attached to a video of who was it? Oh, it was, oh my goodness. Hold on. Let me, let me scroll to it. Cause now I got to find it. Um, it's, it was that real hot love. Wait, 
Love and Hip Hop. I thought it was Real Housewives. Love and Hip Hop episode. It was a reunion where it must have been not an early one, but it was like at least at least five years ago, perhaps. Maybe about five years ago where um, Benzino. Remember Benzino? Y'all, if y'all watch, uh, dang it. What is it? Love and Hip Hop. Love and Hip, Love and Hip Hop Atlanta? Love and Hip Hop. Mm, was it Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. Anyway, um, if y'all watch that, you know Benzino. If you were a, if you were a, a old school rap head from the 90s, you know who Benzino is. Um, anyway, Google Benzino if you don't know. Um, anyhow, it was him in some flowery, decorative um, old jacket sitting to, next to some other women. I assume one of which is his boo. And then like kitty corner across semi, they're obviously they're sitting on stage, the reunion stage, wherever they shoot reunions. Um, anyway, or a type of facility where they shoot reunions. Anyway, it seemed like sort of intimate, but it's like maybe three or four couches with a gang of people just, just scrolls up on them. Anyhow, um, and then kitty corner, it's like, what's her name? Mo, is it Mona Scott? Mona Scott, yeah. The woman that does all of these shows, no, uh, the love and hip. She does love and hip hop. Andy Cohen does um, Real Housewives. So it was Mona Sky Young production. And I only say it like this because I watched, I listened to too much of, I listened to the read and I listened to um, the friend zone too much. And so I'm picking up some of their, um, I, I, that's who, where I heard that from. And if you don't listen to those podcasts, I, I know you've heard of the read before. You may not have heard of the friend zone, but you should probably listen to it. They're a little bit hustle side of Twitter, like rise and hustle side of Twitter a little bit for me, but they do have really great, um, they have really great like human interest stories. Uh, they d- dabble into, um, crime, especially crime that includes, they're amplifying black, uh, voices in many different ways. And sometimes that means drawing attention to, uh, crimes or crimes committed against black folks. Um, and sometimes it's just bringing attention to things that like, uh, Lake Lanier, which not just black people talk about, but because black, there are a huge number of black folk in Atlanta, a lot of Folk, black folk who are in and around Atlanta, who have people in and around Atlanta talk about Lake Lanier. So anyway, they talk about some interesting stuff, but again, they're a little bit, they're a little bit rise and hustle. And, and what I mean by that is it's not derogatory. It's just, there is a school of thought that says, a uh, case in point, they, they're not necessarily the ones that are saying, take your stim- stimulus. It, if you're in the United States, take your stimulus. Shoot. Actually, no, I bet you rise and, uh, rise and grind culture exists everywhere that there are there is an entrepreneurial spirit there is this this spirit like I got to get mine that that spirit exists and so if anybody if any country if anybody from any country listening to this show if y'all get like something like um basic income something like a basic income something like um google if you don't know what I'm talking about or um if you get something like a stimulus you got somebody in your country you got somebody on your Twitter. And what I'm saying on your Twitter, I'm talking about the people who frequent your world of Twitter. You got somebody on your timeline or somebody that you that is you're friends with that 
somehow or another puts this person on your timeline where they say, take this and you can flip it to that. Take, you could, I'll show you how to take a hundred and flip it to two or whatever. Anyway, they're not like that. The friend zone isn't necessarily like that, but they definitely, they definitely give you off some, you know, you should have been, you should have been exercising or, you know, we got multiple hustles. So this is how you could do multiple hustles too. It's not as if they're pushing you to do that, but certainly the rising hustle, uh, they probably cater more to the rise and hustle. I personally listen to them, to them, not because I subscribe to that because I surely do not. Um, I just find, I, I enjoy stories. I enjoy people telling stories. The storytelling is my thing, but I don't always like to listen to those podcasts or I, I don't always like to listen to it when it's scripted stories. I like to listen to the, to folks who tell stories or who are storytellers all the time and they don't necessarily know it or they know that they're storytellers, but they're telling stories that you wouldn't hear on NPR, stories that you wouldn't necessarily see on, on like PBS or whatever y'all call it, y'all public, whatever y'all's public television is for wherever you're listening to or listening from. Um, I like that sort of thing. And You'd be surprised. You will be surprised, 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 whatever, surprised. I said it. I don't care. Soup and rise. Anyway, um, but yeah, there are some, there's some really great storytellers here uh, on, um, that have podcasts that you wouldn't, that wouldn't call themselves storytellers, but I would because boy, I love to listen to them. Um, speaking of storytellers, I am leaping off, but I'm coming right back. I promise you I'm coming right back to this. But Diamond Styles of um, Marsha's Plates, the black trans uh, podcast, she lost her mother at the beginning of the month, toward the beginning of the month, right after her mother's birthday. Like her mother had a birthday earlier this month and then she passed away. Um, heartbreaking, right? And so the I, she shared it recently. She devoted their latest episode her their 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 episode last week to a memory of Diamond and her mother. And you know the thing that I love about this, I don't love that she lost her mother. I do not love that at all. That is scary to me because I've a very over the last 15 years I've grown a very tight relationship with my mother and now I'm in the phase both of my parents. I've always had a tight relationship with my father, but I had that from day 1 because Essentially, when I was coming out of the hospital because I was born with my mama, my daddy was going into the hospital because he experienced a horrific accident. And as a result, we were together because he could not work because of his horrific result. For the first six to eight months of my life, he and I were thick as thieves. He literally took me everywhere. No shade. Daddy took me to the bar <laughs> because, you know, he took me to the bar once or twice. You know what I'm saying? He put, what you, not the baby Bajon. What's that thing? What's that, what's that thing where you, where you swaddle a child and then you put them on your stomach? But it's not like a, they, they have backpacks for that now where you put them on. They're kind of like reverse backpacks where you put them on and the straps will put the, where the baby is being held in front of you instead of behind you. Daddy would wrap me up because it was, this was the eighties. So they had that. So daddy would wrap me up in like something like a sheet, um, like fold it up just so and wrap it up and tie it around me. Like this, you, you know, like you see it That's real old school as tried and true. They've been doing that for centuries. I'm quite sure. Um, people have been swaddling children in such a way and then, and then affixing them to themselves in such a way anyway. But 
I've traveled everywhere with my daddy. And so we have a very, very tight bond. And it wasn't only until the last 15 years when I recognized when I got older, number one, I was more mature, number two, and in figuring out myself, I started to ask other people how I figured out, be, began to on the quest to continue figuring out myself would be to basically <laughs> ask other people a bunch of questions about themselves. Um, so uh, as a means to kind of identify, you know, anyway, I would interrogate the hell out of other people and uh, as a way to kind of ask myself the right questions anyway. And it's through this process that I learned to learn more about my mama. And we have in these 15 years been through a lot and we've shared the loss of her baby sister, my aunt, whom I loved dearly. I've shared this before many, 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 many times. Um, excuse the emergency vehicles. Sometimes what I live on, where I live in Northeastern Baltimore, it's like a thoroughfare. And so it's like everybody's escape route out of and, it's, and, and their way into the city to Baltimore. And that also includes emergency vehicles. And it's, it's, some, it's like sometimes I feel like they have their emergency vehicles, their emergency sirens blaring, but they slow down and they like crawl. And I'm like, if you don't get the heck out of my way, especially when I'm recording, I don't have fancy equipment. Um, I don't have noise canceling anything. So you just hear what you hear. Anyway, I get back to it. Um, so anyway, so yeah, I, I grew a tight relationship with my mom. And now I feel like, yes, she's absolutely my mom and I have that respect for her, but she's also like a friend to me in a way that she couldn't ever be before when I was younger because I just was not in that headspace. I don't know where she was, but I know I wasn't in a place for my mama to be my friend in a way that was healthy. And now we're in that place where it is healthy and we can talk about things and we can talk about a woman to woman and not, I not feel judged. Now, don't get me wrong. There's just certain conversations you still can't have with your mama or any parent, any parental figure, because, you know, there are lines that you still need to maintain because at the end of the day, mama going to tell you or parental figure going to tell you what to do because they want the best for you, which may not necessarily be the best thing for you. If that makes any sense, it might be the best thing that they think is for you but it not, might not actually be the best thing for you. So there are still lines that you have to toe. But nevertheless, I, you know, everyone is blessed if they can enjoy a relationship with someone who's a parental figure in them. And it is not one of those, I respect you simply because you're my parent, but it's one of those, man, you, you're fully, I see you as the human being that you are, all of your flaws, and we can talk together. We can hold a conversation that isn't required, that isn't around you being my parent. And so I have that relationship with my mom and, you know, I'm trying to come to terms with the fact that both of my parents are getting older and I'm getting older and I'm renewing my mind on the finality of not, not even finality of the inevitability of, you know, you dying, right? And regardless of your faith tradition, however you choose to believe we transition, whatever that looks like, we all die. And, you know, just thinking about that, I tried for my whole life, I've thought about it, but I thought about it in an abstract way. And, and now it's more real to me and it should have always been more real to me. But especially when I lost my aunt, who was essentially like my mother, that was like a gut. That was a kick in my chest that 
I can't say that I'm healed from it so much as I'm, I'm, I'm not as, I still miss her dearly. I just don't ache. I don't ache anymore. Um, when I think about her, um, but yeah. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, if that was a gut punch, you know, whew. but I, I think at the end of the day, I just have to renew, or I have to, I'll come to terms with it. I really will. And I pray that I can come to terms with it in a way that makes sense. But there and again, when you lose a person, how prepared can you really be um, for that loss? But anyway, hearing Diamond talk about the loss of her mother and the way she talked about it, this is why she's a storyteller, but she knows she's a storyteller, right? So Diamond is trans. And no, this story wasn't even about her being trans. It was about her being a child and being bullied as a child, but, uh, but being bullied by kids as a child, not for being different, also for being smart. And so a part of her story is that she excelled in school and she, there was this one particular event that she was really, you know, it was the bee's knees as kids go. And this is a big deal for anyone. Um, but especially when you are, when you are singled out for your talent and you are, someone looks to you saying, Hey, you got something. I want to trust you to do this big thing for me because you, I know you can do it. You want to, you, you want to run to the people that you care about and you want to share in that joy. You want them to share in that joy with her, with you. And in her, a part of, of Diamond's story was that her mother for many years, most of her life, I don't know about most of her life, but many years, her mother struggled with addiction. And so, so in telling this story, it does not start the way you think it does. It includes warts. It is not a shiny, beautiful woman. This thing is, this thing is a, is a, is a woman that's got bruises on her body or at least old scars on her body. Um, and in, in this particular case, you know, her mother was high when she broke the news about this major thing that happened. And you, you think the story is going one way, but then it ends up going a totally different area away. And she spent, she must've spent like 30 minutes telling the story and the twists and turns that this story went through. And certainly the emotion that she shared with it is why one of the reasons why I listen to them. Obviously I listen to them because I want to not necessarily have them teach me, but I want to learn. I want to be open to learning new things and enjoying different experiences. I talk about this all the time, but I enjoy hearing different perspectives than my own because I feel like ultimately that helps, number one, scratch the itch of me and knowledge. I just love learning things. But then also just exposing myself to different viewpoints that will allow me hopefully to be a little bit more open and aware um, and then be able to turn around and help another person be a little bit more open and aware. Um, anyway, the story that she tells about her mother is not a beautiful one, but it ends. It, it's not meant well on the face of it. It's not beautiful, but it is a beautiful story, in my opinion, because it's real. And I just wanted to give I wanted to reach out and give Diamond the biggest hug, but I don't know her. She don't know me. Um, and she all the way in Texas and we in the middle of COVID. So I, you know, I reached out to her in the way that made sense, but what was I saying? Oh, shoot. Oh, anyway. Oh, so girl, how did I talk about storytelling, storytelling, storytelling? Well, how did I get on storytelling? Oh, shoot. I can't call it. Anyway, I've started by talking about, oh, I know how I got there. (laughs) 
Lord, this is hard when it's just me. Um, yikes. If this, if you're new to the show, thank you so much, um, for listening. Uh, I am random. Um, and I can imagine, I always imagine, I have no proof of this. I have none. I say it every, every episode, most every episode, but I have no proof of this. I really feel like people listen to the show when they're doing another task and I'm fine with it because you can literally be listening to anything else while you're doing whatever task you are trying to execute, but you're listening to the show. So anyway, um, and I think the way I talk lends itself for you to do a mundane task because I talk a lot. I'm, I, I meander in my conversations and it can allow you to like, it can keep you entertained while you're doing that dumb task that you really don't want to do. So maybe I encourage people to do that. That's what I'm doing. I'm encouraging to listen to me while you're doing a mundane task. Anyhow, the reason why I was talking about diamond and my mama, my relationship with my mama and my auntie and, um, just storytelling was because I was talking about the friend zone. And I was talking about the friend zone, which is a podcast you really should be listening to, but you know, it seems to cater to the hustle and the rise and hustle, uh, Twitter, the, that, that space and Twitter that's rise and hustle or rise and hustle culture. But the reason why I was talking about them was because I was talking about love and hip hop and love and hip hop is a Mona Sky Young production. And the reason why I say Mona Scott Young production is because I listen to the friend zone and the read anyway. And they say that, and that's how I got there. And so back to the thread. Oh Lord. Ooh, this is going to be an interesting one. I had already done 20 minutes and baby, I'm not even in it the way I want to get in it. So we're going to see how this go. Um, moving on. But, um, so yeah, so I was watching, I, I was, um, watching the reunion, the very first video that I saw on this, this what's the most chaotic scene or episode in reality TV history was a particular uh, love and hip hop reunion. Maybe it was season six. I don't know what season it is, but let me tell you, it was when Jocelyn was with Creep, the rat face dude. What's his name? Oh, Jocelyn Hernandez, Mimi Faust. Why do I know them, but I don't know him. He's married to Faith Evans. Rat. Mm, I, every time I hear the R, I'm thinking rat. Anyway, him. Can't call his name right now. What's Stevie J? Stevie J. Anyway, so Benzino was on the couch in this very ornate, colorful uh, suit, uh, like jacket, tailored jacket with some big old glasses on. And sidebar, Benzino's neck is so big. His proportions are a little bit wonky. Like he got to be careful the the things that he adorns himself with because they've got to suit him. But anyway, he loved it. So I should, he liked it. So I should have loved it for him. Moving on. So it, I assume he was on, on a particular couch. Like assume that you are facing a stage with a half circle of couches that allows space for there to be, um, it's like two long couches on the left side in a semi, like forming the left side of the semicircle. And then there is a chair for the host, which is Mona Scott. And then let's just call it two other couches on the right that are helping to form the other half of the semicircle. And then you have a stage and then you have the audience. Y'all know, y'all have watched Love and Hip Hop. Y'all have watched any reunion, any show that has a reunion. You know how they do. They have a stage and they have essentially couches and, and, and comfy plush chairs that people are sitting in. 
and it's in a half circle, so a semicircle facing the audience, and then you have the audience sitting out there, blah, 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 blue, blue, blue. Anyway, um, so it was one of those scenarios, and so Benzino is on the right side in one of the couches, and then you have Stevie J, something, Stevie J and Jocelyn, something at the top of the left side of the arch. And anyway, it appears as if the show has just begun. Literally, opening scene. Mona Scott Young is addressing folks, saying, oh, hey, welcome to the reunion or whatever. And boom, you've got Benzino and Stevie J, like, mouthing off to each other, talking about something like, jump if you're feeling froggy or whatever. Like, basically daring each other to fight. Um, Stevie J is acting like he's about that action and he wants to get it, get it popping like right then. Benzino is like, I'll catch you outside when there aren't any security so that we can really handle this. Because at the end of the day, I really feel like Benzino is about that life because didn't he go in one of those, at one of those seasons, didn't he go to his family member's funeral back in New York and he got shot at the funeral? Like, I think there's a lot of, that's not why I think he's about that life. I think I think he's been in he he's been in some things. He's done some stuff. He's seen some things. He's done some stuff. Anyway, I actually believe that he's was about that life for a very long time, and he might be interested in getting back into that life if the mood suits him. Do you know what I mean? Whereas Stevie J, he just looked like he talk a lot. He looks like he talks a lot, and he uh, what what my daddy said, giving out wolf tickets. You know what I'm saying? Writing checks, you, you he, he he is behind, can't cash. Um, just talking, all bark, no bite, right? Anyhow, so, you know, they're talking back and forth, and then all of a sudden, I think B, B, it was Benzino that challenged him. Challenged him, we'll say, well, come on. Something like jump if you're feeling froggy or whatever. I don't know. This is what I'm making up in my head because I don't remember. Anyway, um, and then... Stevie J gets up, but then so does Jocelyn. Here's the issue, though. Here's the issue I have in the video. Stevie J gets up, and they start walking. He and Jocelyn, they start walking towards Benzino and his boo, right? But the only one that goes and connects, appears to connect first, is Jocelyn. And I don't know who she dives on first, but, like, she is fully intent on getting, getting, um getting in somebody's behind, right? Like just molly whopping them, right? Bop, 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 bop. Anyway, um, and Stevie J appears to have slowed down before he got to the melee. And I'm like, wait. I watched it like a couple of times and it does not appear that Stevie J actually wants to connect his fist with somebody's face or Benzino's face. He just wanted to seem like he was tough because he, he, it, it looks as if he fully expected security to run up and, and snatch them right quick. Of course, that doesn't happen immediately. And then it's a brawl, 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 just fighting. And then a bunch of people start fighting and then bottles are thrown. And I'm thinking, who in the heck puts bottles on stages? Like actual glass bottles, reinforced, reinforced, what is it, tempered? Tempered glass. You know, you know, wine bottles and, and liquor bottles are, are made to endure some damage to them, you know, being roughed up, dropped and what have you. And so... I, I'm just remarking to myself, who in the world puts these bottles on the stage if not to use them? You, certainly they're not decorative. If they're decorative, then they're not harmful because how many reunions have we been through? And I know that at this point, 
this is many seasons down. This is many seasons down the road. Many different iterations of love and hip hop. Because what do we have? We have love and hip hop uh, Atlanta, love and hip hop New York, love and hip hop LA. Probably I don't know if LA was uh, um, open at that point, but uh, open. You know what I mean? I don't know if it was whatever. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, they're, they're at Miami. I don't know if Miami was available either at that point, but the time at which this, this reunion was happening, it didn't give me the sense that this was their first rodeo, right? And so why in the world would you put, why in the world would you put sturdy actual liquor bottles on the stage? You didn't think anybody would actually grab at it, knowing that this is where fights happen? Moving on. Um, anyway, it was disturbing to me because it was it was like a real fight. And Jocelyn was really fighting. And so was these other, they were really fighting. And then Benzino, again, I believe Benzino has put his life on the line for his pride. And, and maybe that's not fair, but I believe Benzino has actually fought a person. And worse, I believe it. He looks it. He looked like he's carrying the scars of it, of those altercations. And so he looked like a person determined that if he should be let loose, if he should get free from the strong grip of the, the security that was holding him, and it took more than one, that he would absolutely do his level best to tear up, what's that boy's name, um, that man's name, um, Stevie J. Stevie J looked like he was putting on theatrics. He, at one point, girl, he took his shirt off. I'm like, for real? For real? Like, if you've ever seen an actual fight, if you've ever seen an actual fight, sometimes a guy, after having been broken up or right before they get to going, will snatch off his shirt. But that's usually the one that's getting beat up. And that's, I'm not, I don't have a ton of experience. I've just seen a few fights in my life. And it's usually the guy that's flexing right before the right before the brawl or after he's gotten molly whopped in the face a couple of times and then you break up for a second. He acts like it didn't phase him. He acts like, oh, oh, you thought you thought I brought you my best. I'm about to bring you my best. And then he takes off his shirt and he's usually the one to get stolen again. Um, like he's he's dropped very quickly um, because the person that is harming him intends to harm, right? And they don't have time to get comfortable. They are comfortable in, they are comfortable now. They want it. They want this fight to happen. Um, and so anyway, so Benzino is looking like the guy who's ready for that action. And so that jacket do not come off. He does not care if it's ripped. That shirt, he don't care about none of that. He's getting after the business. Just like Jocelyn, who had on some like terribly tall heels that didn't even bother to take them off because she was doing what she knew she needed to do. She did, she did what she came to do. And it's just Stevie J is, is funny. In that moment, it's funny. And so that was the very first clip that I saw. And I understand like right now, if you don't watch reality TV, like all of this is lost on you. But I would argue that you need to, at the very least, go down this rabbit hole on this thread. It is two days old at the point of which you will listen to this. It is two days old. And when I tell you when it first came out, I got lost in it for like two hours, or at least when I first decided to click and pay attention. And so I'd watched that, I'd watched that video 
thought it was disturbing and then moved on to other disturbing videos or at the very least, and this is probably morbid and macabre of me, but I was trying to see if there were any other videos that would live up or exceed the expectation that was already laid out by that melee started, initiated essentially by Stevie J and Jocelyn, but Stevie J really didn't want to fight. Um, anyway, I wasn't really prepared to fight. Um, anyway, so uh, you can call that the carnage craving in me. I don't, the, I'm not proud of it. Um, but yeah, there are some pretty interesting videos of human aggression, including there are like several clips from uh, Bad Girls Club, like several clips uh, from Bad Girls Club of girls just going at each other. And you know what, when I was, when it was on, I never did watch that because I felt like it was for the obvious reason, I didn't, you know, it felt like everybody was being exploited and people were putting on, these weren't these, there, these people weren't real. But then I was just like, Ooh, this is so violent. And I just didn't care to see it. So I never really watched that. I didn't, I also didn't really watch love and hip hop like that. Cause again, I, there was a part of me at a certain point in time that recognized a lot of these reality shows to be scripted in some way or semi-scripted. And I turned my nose up at that because I'm like, it's not real. So I'm not watching this because all this is fake. And so I ended up never really watching Bad Girls Club. Um, I didn't really watch, I think after, I think I did an episode about this, but Road Rules, Real World Road Rules Challenge, all of them, where they were put up in these or the real world even, I think after, definitely after I left college and definitely after when I moved to Syracuse, that was done for me. Um, I didn't really watch those shows like that. I was, I was above it. Um, and so anyway, yeah, I really didn't catch a lot of these scenes. And so what this, what this thread did for me was bring to my attention all of these little jewels that I might've missed over the years, including like fights, it, it never fails. It's, it's always the instigator in all of these little, it's either these chaotic moments. And again, the, the thread title was what's the most chaotic scene or episode in reality TV history. So many of these videos include violence. Some of these videos include manipulative, just manipulation and leaving the people listening to say like, what? is happening to me. What is happening now? Is this real life um, that I'm experiencing? And the, and the answer invariably is, yeah, it's real. Cause this person chose, what do people say now? They, they chose violence. They chose chaos in this moment. And so of course, you know, you have American Idol. Uh, so you have Bad Girls Club, you have real world, real world world road rules challenges and all of that stuff where fights happen. Um, you have, was there one? Oh, so, and then, so you have the physical altercations and then, like I said, then you have the verbal ones and two of the verbal ones that stuck out to me. Um, one of them was Tiffany Pollard, who is, everybody knows her as New York, duh, but her name is Tiffany, Tiffany Pollard. And Tiffany Pollard was on some sort of show and it clearly looked like it was like a reunion of some kind, usually when these sound bites happen. But she was sitting next to some light-skinned woman, light-complexion black woman, who was in an outfit. And I'm, I just don't understand. It's some people go out of their way to, 
And this, I don't know if this is the black culture or it's just, it's just people in general. But actually, I would say that some, some light-complected white folks go out of their way to appear darker. And they, anybody who's trying to, to play up their complexion, but it's like not working, they're usually washing themselves out or muting themselves way too much. And so you've ever seen those, those uh, pale skinned white girls who tan a lot and then they, they, they tan a lot. And so they darken, they either change their hair color to a dirty blonde or they darken their hair to kind of suit their, their skin tone, but it looks too much. It's, it's too much. It's too, it's too unnatural. It appears too unnatural. And, and whose place is it to say what is natural and what isn't or, or to shame a person, but it just doesn't look appealing to me. It doesn't look good, but they like it. So I should love it for them. Right. Anyway, but and they wear these pastel colors and stuff like that. And I'm like, but that don't look good, honey. Cause your, your, your coloring is too, it's too orange. It's too orange. You can't wear coral. It, well, you, you are, you are wearing coral. You shouldn't. Um, it doesn't look right. And then you, you darkened your hair, this unnatural flat, dark brown, and that ain't hitting it either. Like, I don't, what, what you doing? And so anyway, so Tiffany Pollard is sitting on this couch. There I go again, but I caught myself quicker this time. So Tiffany Pollard is sitting on this couch and she's sitting next to this um, light complexion black woman. And this light complexion black woman, she's got dark hair and she's a pale black woman. She's very pale. Um, beige looking either. You know what I'm saying? Sort of, sort of that, that complexion. Um, and then she's got on this white dress with this silver, silver embellishments. And I'm like, the definition of washed is you, uh, washed out is you. Why would you sit on stage under those bright, heavy lights, intense lights and not wear a color that was flattering? You're in white. Your coloring is a little beige, baby. You, you look, you're looking washed out, honey. And then you got the nerve to offset it with some, with some, whoa, either some silver or some white diamond looking sort of embellishments. Girl, that need to go on somebody who's got a contrasting, got some contrast to their skin tone. Cause girl, you just look like, you damn near look like one, excuse my language, but you damn near look like one, one solid color with some silver embellishments with some black, with some black roots, with some black hair. Anyway, and I was looking at that and I was just like, you're so pretty. Do something, do better with your, do better with your color choices. Do better with your color choices. She would have looked, she would have looked a bomb in black, to be honest with you. She, so Tiffany looked fierce because Tiffany is beautiful and she's cute. Um, even though she's, whoo, she's a lot. She's, she's beautiful. But if that woman, and, and maybe, I don't know if the contrast was so high because she was sitting next to Tiffany and Tiffany was in black and she a brown skinned woman and the way it's just, the black looked rich on her. Either the black, the black made her skin tone, Tiffany Pollard's skin tone looked like the best possible color of chocolate you would ever want, like an ideal chocolate or her chocolate skin made that shade of black like pop. I don't really know what made what pop, but she looked good. Um, and then she had black hair too, and it just suited her. Uh, but the, it was the contrast that I was just like, yes, yes, lovely, lovely. Wear that black. And I'm, I, I, I think I've said this before. People of color look good in black. Most people look good in black, but black people really look good in black. I don't care your skin tone. We tend to actually, every, yeah, anyway, everybody looks good in black. 
So I just am partial to brown people looking wearing black because it's just fire. Anyway, I venture to say the old girl that was sitting next to, oh, the, the woman that was sitting next to Tiffany would have looked better in black instead of this white mess that she had on that on anyone else probably would, it, the fit itself was not unflattering. She looked, the fit was fine. The color choice was wrong for her. And I don't know if I'm imagining her to be lighter than she actually was or more ghostly looking, but it just didn't, it didn't go for me. Anyway, I also think maybe I'm perhaps not viewing her in the best light because of the conversation that was being had with Tiffany basically checking her for making her feel like in her dark skin, she was not being, I don't know, actually, girl, I couldn't even tell you. And I'm using, I'm saying girl, but I'm meaning everybody who's listening, everybody under the sound of my voice. Y'all, I couldn't, I'd be honest with you. I couldn't tell what the conversation was about. I just knew that Tiffany was upset and she was talking about, I'm a beautiful black brown woman and you ought to include me when you're talking about all black women. I was like, yeah, girl, you're right. But the the woman that was sitting next to her, she just had a stank look on her face. And I was like, I don't like you. And that's not fair because I have no idea what the conversation was really about. I don't have the context whatsoever. I just did not like that color combination she had on because it wasn't one. And I wanted her to do better. She didn't. Like, yeah, she could have been, she could have had a, she could have had a, she could have had something like a jewel tone on. If, if the woman would have had a jewel tone on, she would have looked fire too. Like she had red. She would have had blue, green, maybe not pink. That would have been a bit much. Um, if she'd had any, if she had a color on, all black, she would have looked fine. But because it was white, it's just like gross. I don't. Mm-mm. Anyway, so I saw that one, and that was interesting. And there's another one that has popped up, and I don't know if if it's buried at this point, but um, there's this one that includes. American Idol and the image is, uh, hold on, let me find it. Oh, it was attached by a person that goes by the name of Khalil. And it's his at is K bird, uh, the letter K, the letter B Y R D the number two underscore. Is that a period and a period? Oh my God. Or is that a dash? Girl, I don't know how to do this. Oh, no, no, no. That's that's just how it is. So his at, this person's at is KBYRD2 underscore. Um, and anyway, the title, the, 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 the caption is The Day America Chose Chaos, Still Triggering. And then the video is essentially, y'all remember American Idol? I, I don't know if it's still on or not, but y'all remember American Idol when, you know, it was actually putting up some really awesome stars, right? Some stars that like Fantasia came from that. Um, Jennifer Hudson came from that. I think Jennifer Hudson and Fantasia were on the same. They are. I'm looking at the clip right now. They were on the same season. Anyway, so you had, it was like the elimination or the, the bottom. You know how some the show had two days where on one day, everybody would do their singing, their best singing. And then the next day or whatever. I can't even remember the, the frequency. It's been so long since I've watched it. But um, like on one day they would do their best singing and then you would vote. And then on the next day, 
the, the votes would be tabulated, like America would vote and you'd have to text a certain place. And anyway, this particular scene you have on the left, you have Fantasia, you have Jennifer Hudson, this black guy who clearly didn't go anywhere because I do not know who the heck he is. So, uh, another uh, shorter black woman who I do not know who the heck she is. Um, maybe I should, but I just don't. And then on the right side, you've got a redheaded guy, a tall redheaded white guy that couldn't tell you who that was. Um, actually, everybody on the right-hand side, I don't know who they are. Anyway, so the 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 basically what's happening is what is that guy in the who's the guy that hosted that hosted American Idol that white guy that hosted American Idol Seacrest Seacrest something Seacrest Ryan Seacrest anyway so Ryan is saying he's talking to the the taller black guy who's on the same side with all the black girls and he's like so I told you to go to the winning side and, and he went over, he had gone over to the black girls and he was like, um, and, and Ryan Seacrest was like, I told you to go to the winning side. You need to be, you're on the wrong side. You need to be over here. And then the, the, everybody's face cracked, including the black guy whose face, face cracked because what we know to be true is what it is. Jennifer Hudson, Fantasia, Barine, Barine, Fantasia, and maybe that a black girl, I, but I don't know who the heck that black girl is. So maybe she can't sing. Anyway, but we know that Fantasia and uh, Jennifer Hudson can sing their tails off. So why in the world? Like the black guy knew, everybody knew that that was supposed to be the winning team. And then he was like, go over here to the right side. And he was shocked as all get out. And then people started booing in the audience as would I. I would be booing. But now here's the deal. You know, everybody, most of the people in the audience are literally the families of these people on stage. So, you know, Fantasia and um, Jennifer Hudson's people were hollering and booing. And I would have been one of those. Well, yeah, I would have been one of those because let's be clear. Everybody, Jennifer and, and Fantasia been singing, right? Singing from the beginning. Are they, were they singing then the way they're singing now? No, but you could tell. <clears throat> they were some singers anyway. So, so anyway, this particular clip, um, is, is shocking to this person. And, and Khalil says it's, it's triggering to him because how dare you, how dare you not, how dare you say that these women were not on the winning team? And if I'm looking, I keep this, the, uh, the clip, as I'm talking about it, this clip keeps playing and the black guy looks uncomfortable uncomfortable because I think he knows in his heart, in his whole soul, he know he on the wrong, he on the wrong team when, when Ryan makes him go to the right side. He's like, I don't want to be on the right side no more. I, I don't actually want to be on that side. Um, but it is what it is. So yeah. So this whole thread though, this whole thread is, like I said, I got lost into it and uh, it's uh, two and a half hours and then I had to come up for air because I just couldn't deal. I couldn't, I had to do other things. Um, but I, I, and I, I, as I was looking at some of the videos, <clears throat> uh, I saw some of the comments of those videos saying, man, am I the only one that got lost for like hours that I can't get back, but I enjoy every minute of it. I regret nothing. And of course there were responses of people saying, nope, I thought it was just me. We're not alone. Yay. So anyway, I, if you've not been into this thread, Please get into it because it's very interesting. Um, because again, it's not another one of those top 10 sort of things. It's not another one of those, um, you know, 
most shocking. Well, it is a most shocking thing, but it's not about 2020 because we've been talking about 2020 since the beginning of 2020 because so much has happened. But anyway, um, it's, I think it's, it's interesting. I think it's interesting. And so, yeah, you should go down that rabbit hole. All right. So I finally gotten into my groove. Okay. So I can move away. And again, this today is going to be super random. Um, I was going to watch a movie, but I decided that instead of watching a, a, a movie and, and reviewing it right now that I was just going to talk randomly about stuff because, you know, this year has been interesting for all of us. And I think I started this year with intent. You know, my very first episode of 2020 was all about peace and finding yourself, peace and centering yourself and starting over and, and starting with intention. And now I'm here and I'm like, woo, we putting one foot in front of the other can be difficult, can't it? <laughs> and so I think I know because I work in mental health and I, because I had such a bad end to 2020 or 2019 last year that I was so eager to wipe the slate clean and just start over. And, and it was bad for me in terms of professionally, I wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, I wasn't doing, or at the very least, how can I explain this? I didn't feel like my talent was being utilized in a way that I wanted it to be utilized. I didn't think I was getting the support that I, was, that I wanted. And I wanted to be somewhere else. And while I still want to be somewhere else, I, I've been able to talk about what else I want to do, how else I want to use my skill set. Now it's about making sure that I'm available for the right opportunity. And the other day I got headhunted. And for those of you that don't know what headhunting is, the my old heads that are listening, y'all know. But for you youngsters that are listening to me and you don't know what headhunting is, I know you can Google it, but I'll just tell you right now. It's essentially when an organization, a company, in my case, nonprofits, um, seek you out. They learned about you. They have an opportunity coming up. It may or may not be advertised, but they want to talk to you about it. Um, and so they put out a feeler to see if you're interested. And if you accept the feeler, they bring you in for an interview. Um, that's headhunting in a nutshell. And there are, there are companies out there that you can hire to be your headhunters, essentially find you opportunities like that or, or make you available to organizations who might not necessarily be advertising a thing, uh, a role, but might be looking for someone like you with your skill set. You can pay for that. Um, and so anyway, this has never happened to me before. I have never been headhunted in my life. I've always seen other people. I've seen other people be headhunted, but I never thought that that was just something that ever happened to me. Now, mind you, I'm still in the middle of it, so I don't know. Nothing may come of this, but <clears throat> excuse me. I work in nonprofit. I also have a skill set that that is transferable for many different nonprofits in many different sectors of the nonprofit world, but it could also be used quite handily for the for-profit world. I just don't want to work in for-profit. Thank God that the company or the organizations that are headhunting me are nonprofits um, because I just, I'm just, that's where I want to work. I want to work in nonprofit. Anyway, the amount of money for this particular position, if I should get it, which I don't, I, I don't have any illusions that I am the very best person ever. But if I am, I will step into those shoes and I will do my level best because that is what I do. Um, but anyway, I have no illusions. I got a job, so I'm not hurting, but like, man, the loot, the loot 
that was offered to me is more money than I'm accustomed to working in the small nonprofits that I'm accustomed to working in. It is nothing. If you work a nonprofit, you know better than me that we, the, the nonprofits, these community nonprofits do not pay much. If you, you, you might get a cute little coin, but it's never going to be the industry standard based on, not the industry standard, but based on the, the job that you're doing across all industries, you're never going to be able to make the same amount that you would be making. Like again, the market in Baltimore is, you don't make as much in Baltimore as you do in DC, but you still make a killing in Baltimore, right? And if you are like upper management, middle or upper upper management, you just, uh, you, 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 that role and that responsibility, it requires a certain pay grade, right? It's just a certain pay grade comes with it. And the nonprofits I've ever worked for, I've always been below that pay grade. I've always been below average because we're, we're nonprofits. And so <clears throat> to not only be headhunted by an organization that offered not only more than what I've ever made, but like even higher than the average is like studying. And again, I don't, I know I'm one of several, several hundred people, I'm sure, if not more than that in the DMV area. And I'm, and again, I want to be careful. I'm in Baltimore. We're not in the DMV. We are in Baltimore. Um, and then we are Baltimore and the DMV. That's how you say, that's how you're supposed to say that. So if you ever come in the area, don't be in and around Baltimore and say you're part of the DMV. You will get, you won't be, you will get corrected. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to pull you up. They're going to get you right together anyway. But, um, yeah. So anyway, there's a whole lot of people. We are population dense in the Baltimore DMV area. Population dense, baby. So I'm not, I have no illusions that I am the very best of the best. I mean, maybe I, maybe I am, but I have no illusions that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I, I'm optimistic, but I'm like pessimistically optimistic. Well, that's an oxymoron. Anyway, I'm just chilling. How about that? I'm just here. I'm just chilling. I'm trying to do what I do. I'm still trying to do my very best on in the job that I'm working now. Um, but I'm also open to the future. And I articulated for the first time in months. I Well, shoot, I think I said it out loud to my husband maybe a month ago. And I was scared that I said it because it's like, you ever sell, you, you know, you there's a, there's a secret that you keep and nobody else knows it. And the minute you tell, you're scared that you let it go because now somebody else knows what your dream is and they're going to ask you about it. And my husband is going to definitely ask me about it. And and I was nervous to share as, as, and that's my boo. That's my baby. That's, that's my boo. That's my boo thing. But nevertheless, there's just certain things that you say out loud and it's just like, like, like I want to get pregnant in 2021. Like I'm, I have a fertility doctor all lined up and we're going to work through it. Cause I'm a little bit, you know, I'm scared that I, but anyway, I'm only, how old am I? 38? No. 37. I'm going to be 38. My bad. I'm 37 now. I'm going to be 38. Um, but anyway, so I got to get this baby train and moving cause I just got to get it moving. And so, like I said that no problem. Um, it, this is the year, this is the year now, you know, it depends on what God has to say and, and you know, how my body is behaving and all of that stuff, like what ends up happening. But this is the year that I'm going to be intentional and, and hubby is like, all right, let's do this. Let's get, let's get it popping. Well, he didn't say it like that, but that's my, those are my words anyway. 
so I didn't have a problem saying that out loud. I didn't have a problem saying that, uh, you know, sitting down and us plotting out the property that we want to purchase and the steps in which we're going to take it. I didn't have a problem articulating that, even though that's scary too. But the, this thing about my career and where I want to take it, that was scary. That was extremely scary because I dabble in it now through my podcast, aspects of it, aspects of it. I dabble in aspects of it in my current profession, in my current job, but I've never flat out done it all the way ever. Like not, not full time. I've done it my whole life. I've done aspects of it my entire life, my entire professional. The minute I hit the ground, like I I hated being the token and I hated being propped up, but I, I definitely took it and ran with it. Um, when I was in high school and certainly when I was in college, because whatever, like you, you going you put me out there and I ended up liking the thing that you guys keep making me do. So I'm just going to do it. And so I've always done, and I'm, I'm intentionally being obtuse about this because if, if it was scary to tell my boo thing, what makes you think I'm going to tell y'all? Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm definitely not going to articulate it here, but anyway, I've done aspects of this most of my life at this point, but I've never done it full time. And so the places where I was, or the, the particular organization that I was headhunted for, like that would be requiring me doing this full time. And that's scary to me, but here I am. Do you know what I mean? Here I am. So anyway, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking, well, I'm, I'm being more comfortable with the fact that I could be doing this full time and all the ups and the downs, but all the ups that come with it. Um, and the stakes, the stakes are always higher, but like, I'm okay with that. Cause every time I do this particular thing, the stakes are always high. If you think about it, because you're always, I, never mind. I'm not, I'm not going to, anyway, 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 anyway. Um, it's not even in the medical profession, but it's definitely in, I'll say this. It's definitely in community advocacy. I'll leave it at that. Um, but I've never done it full time. Like I've always done a million other things, but not that full time. Um, and not what I'm talking about full time. And so I'm excited that even if this opportunity doesn't work out, that the possibility that people are beginning to seek me out for this thing that I said to my hubby that I wanted to do (laughs) is scurry. Anyway, so anyway, oh, I've been talking for almost an hour. Okay. So let me, let me, let me take a break and then I'm gonna come back. Okay. Okay, and I'm back. So anyway, so going down that rabbit hole of the most chaotic moments in reality TV kind of got me to watching reality TV. Um, and so I think I, I, I know I just binged. I binged two things. I, well, sort of binged. I sort of binged. Uh, no, I did binge. I, I started watching the uh, Real Housewives. I finished um, the I finished the finale or the the reunion, the three part reunion special for Potomac, and I began watching Atlanta because it's back on. Um, and I have feelings about those, and, and I'll talk about that in a second. And then I also randomly, but not really randomly, if you, if once I tell you the story. Um, I've been watching Ink Master, 
which is a show that I think was on Spike TV. I don't know if it's still on there now, but it the first two seasons of Eek Master are on um, Netflix. And even though we have cable, we don't have FX or Spike or whatever. So wherever it's playing, we can't see it know how. And I'm not going to buy it just for that show. So I watch what I watch between uh, YouTube and um, and why can't Netflix anyway and on YouTube it's just clips of episodes and sometimes you can piecemeal several clips from a single episode and get the gist um but most times it's just like the last five minutes of one episode or the first the you know five minutes of the challenge or whatever um or nine minutes even but it's like of the flash challenge but not the main challenge and so I'm always piecing it together and so um I was finally able to watch the entire second season of Ink Master, which, woo, these shows are dated. It's clear that that was like 98, 99. Maybe it was in the 2000s. Maybe it was, you know, 2000, between 2000 and 2004, something like that, because all those clothes were dated. Bootcut jeans, I thought those things went out. I thought those things, to be honest with you, I thought bootcut jeans went out in... Uh, the 90s but maybe they're you know maybe in the early 2000s they were still holding on because there's certainly a lot of people on Ink Master that have bootcut jeans on Um, also there's this one guy in particular who ended up winning that second season but he's got it's it's clear that he dresses nice right like he dresses nice he looked like he's got good smelling cologne on you know what I'm saying like he washes his face (laughs) <laughs> that's that, the bar is in hell. Um, no, but like he looks like he grooms himself well. Um, I forgot his name, but he's clearly from Boston based on his accent. And he looks like he pays attention to detail. It's just his style was woof, baby. He So he had bootcut jeans, right? They look clean and pressed, but nevertheless, bootcut jeans with embellishments on the pockets, the back pockets. And then he had on this dress shirt, but it was clear that it was a dress shirt that was meant to be not tucked to not be tucked in and that you weren't supposed to button the collar because there was embellishment on the inside of the collar and so you supposed to have that thing out and so I'm just like oh man like this style is just the taste is not mine but like you can tell that he he was he dressed he dressed he was like he put some attention to it like he didn't want to look like no slob like he he was doing it for well he was doing it for him and then, then you go to his hair and it's clear that his hair has been frosted a bit. He kind of gives you this Guy Fieri vibe, but like only because he's a little bit pasty. I guess this guy is not so pasty, but he's a white guy with like shaggy looking hair. And this guy in the show is little like frosted a little bit or blonde, like blonde highlights. And it's a little feathery. And then he's got... I don't even know what you call it. It's not a goatee. It's literally a stripe of hair that goes from the, the top of his bottom lip, like the rim of his bottom lip to the bottom of his chin. But there's no hair on, on out, apart from that strip, there's no hair on his chin. And he doesn't have a mustache. So I don't even know what you call that, except it's a strip. It's a strip in that space on his own, in, in between his chin and his, and his bottom lip. And it was blind, like a dirty blind. And I'm just like, you ain't want to go like a full goatee. You know what I mean? you like, you ain't want to do that. You don't want to shave it off completely. Cause I, what it, it just look anyway, but like, again, he looked well groomed. I just didn't like his style, but anyway. Um, and then everybody else looked like y'all ain't even want to try. You know what I'm saying? Like you ain't want to put no clothes on for real. Like you literally just put a t-shirt 
Like this was, it was clearly the time where Jinko jeans hadn't gone out of style just yet. And there were a whole bunch of knockoffs. Like they had, the Jinko had jeans had been out for a minute, but there were knockoff brands now. And so there's this one black guy who had on these, who, who had some straight back, some straight backs on, but they were like tiny. And it looked like baby, just either press your hair out, cut it, do something, but them straight backs are not doing you no favors. Anyway, but he had these, um, these, how you gonna have baggy shorts on? And when I'm talking about baggy, I'm not talking about sagging below his behind. I'm talking about like, they were wide leg shorts. (laughs) Who, who came up with wide leg shorts and why? Why? <laughs> one of my brothers, one of my brothers wore high, wore, wore wide leg shorts. <laughs> Lord help me. Um, he wore wide leg shorts and I hated every minute of it. I would talk about it. Oh, he got so mad at me. I'm like, take them shorts off. Wear you some different shorts. They was wide and long, right? And I'm just like, so you got some <laughs> I was like, boy, you got some culottes on. <laughs> oh, he was not happy with me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, I was terrible. I'm a terrible person sometimes. <laughs> I get it from my dad. He got smart mouth and so do I. <laughs> um, you just don't like it when the smart mouth come back. But I was raised by a smart mouth assassin. So what you want? Um, and he was big, too. So it wasn't like you, gonna, you, couldn't, you couldn't whoop him. Cause he was big. Right. And so I feel like I can't be whooped, even though I know I can be whooped. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, oh my gosh, oh, those shorts anyway. And then you also had, oh Lord Jesus. I'm so glad that this style went out, but remember for women, those bell bottom low rider jeans that only people with small booties and no stomach could wear. But like they had them in every size. They had them in plus size. They had them in like regular size. But like if you had a normal booty, if you had any little bit of a normal stomach, you couldn't wear those and look like nothing. <laughs> because I know for a fact, I, was, I don't have no little booty. I don't even have no mid-range booty. I have always had a big booty and I'm not talking about it in a way to brag. It's talking about it in a way that man makes clothes difficult, right? So me and pleated skirts aren't friends. Unless they're long in the back. We not. We never, we were never friends. We never going to be friends. Okay. Um, a lot of those circle dress, a lot of those circle skirts, again, unless they are to my knees or just below my knees, we not finna be friends because what happens? The back go boom, boom, and it flop up. And I, that's not me. I don't, I don't enjoy that. So if I'm going to wear a skirt and it's above my knees, it's gonna, it's gotta be a fitted skirt. And it just is what it is. Now I can go boom, 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 but it ain't finna go nowhere because it's a pencil skirt. Um, anyway, but likewise, so if I have, if I'm particular about my skirts, me and those pants just never got along. Not never because my booty was always popping over everybody. If you had a booty, it was always popping over the top of them pants. And I've never had a flat stomach. I've always had a bit of a tummy. And so I'm sitting up here trying to pull these things up for dear life and they just not going anywhere. I'm trying to get them to my navel and they like, okay, girl, well, I'll get to the bottom of it. But like, that's as far as I go. And I'm just like, who hates me? 
Who for real hates me? Because there was a point where I could not find anything but those stupid jeans. It was dumb and I hated every minute of it. Um, And so I ended up wearing a lot of slacks, which (laughs) who going to... (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine <laughs> like a teenager going to school in some slacks? <laughs> it ain't picture day. <laughs> unless, uh, unless you had, unless, unless y'all had uniforms, which my school didn't. But like I would end up going to school in some daggone uh, slacks because I could get a mid-range or high-rise, mid-rise or high-rise, right? And they would cover my booty. <laughs> And I can remember looking like, if you look, oh my gosh, if anybody ever got a hold to some pictures of me going to school, I looked like I was actually going to work. And I blame my mama. I blame my daddy. <laughs> they didn't love me for real. Because why would you send me to school looking like I was going to work? <laughs> oh my gosh, I, they, those pictures better than I see the light of day. <laughs> But I can remember there was this bad old outfit that I would actually wear right now because I actually do go to work. But it was like, <laughs> so it was plaid, but it was, um, it was, it was plaid and it had uh, yellow and like baby blue in it. It was like a sun yellow and baby blue and it was plaid. Uh, and these pants, they were like, they were like wide leg a little bit. They were like, ah, shoot, I can't describe it. It was not, there weren't boot cut. They were like wider than boot cut, but they weren't wide leg pants. And then I had this baby blue top to match it. I can't remember if it was mock neck or turtleneck. But anyway, it's an outfit that I would wear now and I would like style it real well, right? Like I put it with some cold pumps, you know what I mean? Um, some, uh, Yeah, I put it with some cold pumps and maybe I would have, you know, I would put like a statement piece of jewelry on or something like that. Make sure I would have my bangles or like a bad watch or, you know what I mean? I would like style it differently. Um, but girl... <laughs> I had me, they bought me, oh Lord, my, I'm about to say my parents' name, but my parents bought me. So with that outfit, so imagine like a 16-year-old, 17-year-old with a mock neck, a mock neck shirt on, <clears throat> some slacks, some plaid slacks, and like Mary Jane's, I think I wore them with Mary Jane's. And my parents, because they wanted me to look like something, they bought me this leather you know those leather jackets that look like that look like blazers? Like they don't have the collar of a blazer, but they, they in every way they look as if they're tailored as excuse me, a blazer is tailored. And so they bought me that and I can just remember I'm envisioning the picture now. It's like coming up because I did take a picture of it because I thought I looked super cute. I did look super cute if I were 30. But I was like 17 in that outfit and I blame my parents for buying that for me and making me making my style be that of a 30 something year old, which is again, I'm 37. There's nothing wrong. Your style is your style. It's just I was dressing so old and so I was dressing not my age. And anyway, but I had a ton of outfits like this. I had this one all plaid, all plaid suit. I mean, the jacket and the pants to match. And I think I might have worn that. It was it was like black and gray, though. Black, gray, and a little bit of brown, but it was bad. It was like a bad. It was actually, again, it was something I would wear today. I would just dress it differently, right? I would have, instead of like a, a straight neck 
t-shirt underneath, I would have a cami one underneath it, you know, not showing, you know, like a cami, it's showing a little bit of cleavage. And again, I would style it with like gold, gold is my thing, golden pearls, that's me. Um, and so I would style it that way. And, you know, I would just do my hair a little bit different. Of course, my glasses were different. Actually, I didn't even wear glasses in high school. I probably should have. But um, anyway, I would just style it differently. And again, I was wearing them daggone Mary Janes with them. Damn Mary Janes. Um, But, um, oh, shoot. Where did we get those? Delia's. Y'all remember Delia's? Oh, my gosh. Y'all remember Delia's? None of you, some of y'all don't know what the heck I'm talking about, but some of y'all ordered from Delia's catalog. I know you did. Anyway, I got them Mary Janes from Delia's. I actually got most of my outfits, even those plaid, them plaid old looking outfits. I got them from Delia's because it was the thing, I guess, that you would take these teenagers and dress them like they were 30. Anyway, and so maybe I shouldn't blame my parents. Maybe I should blame me (laughs) for making my parents buy me that. But didn't nobody tell them to buy that leather jacket? Anyway, <laughs> moving on, moving on. Um, but yeah, so but that back to that black, gray, and brown plaid. And it sounds like it's terrible, but if you consider the base of the thing was like a heather gray, and then the 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 checkered pattern um, was black with black stripes with brown stripes. That that is actually a cold outfit. That's a cold blooded outfit, actually. It was it was tight. I just number one, I don't know where the heck that outfit is, and number two, I can't fit it because my booty didn't got bigger. Um, <clears throat> so I'm pretty sure the pants, I, I can't do nothing with them pants, and I probably can't do nothing with that top if I'm honest, because I didn't got a little top heavy too. Anyhow, um, but that anyway. So I, that suit, I wore that suit. <laughs> Oh gosh, I wore that suit when I got my passport for the very, my passport picture for the very first time. I wore a full suit. I wore a full suit. I had my downtown, uh, it was Mary Kay lipstick. What was it? Downtown brown. So it was more like a brown. It was like a a brown that had some maroon in it and it had some shimmer to it. And that was, that was my, I thought I was doing it. And that was, that was a bad color. I can't, this is I, whatever, I can't, I, I think I've gotten close to that color. I've gotten close, but it's never going to be that quite, there was a hint of pur- a hint of purple in it too. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to get that close to it again, but the closest I've ever gotten to today is that Griselda, that, that Griselda color from Rihanna. Um, <clears throat> that's the closest I've gotten to that color. But, but even the Griselda color doesn't have, it's matte and it doesn't have any uh, shimmer to it. Whereas that downtown brown had shimmer and it was moist. It was very, it was like a, it was a lipstick. Whereas this is a, the, what I got from Rihanna right now, one of them is a lip paint and the other one is just like a mattifying, it's a mattifying lipstick, but it's almost like a, something like a stain if I'm honest, cause it's just so pigmented anyway. Um, so yeah, but I, y'all, I was in that passport picture. You couldn't tell me Nathan, Nathaniel the third. Okay. Not a, not a thing in the world. Um, I was looking in the wrong spot too. They didn't tell me nothing. Where were we? I think we went to the post office. No, no, no. We went to Kinko's. Do Kinko's even exist anymore? Anyway, we were in Kinko's and I had my whole outfit on. I had my makeup. My mama did my eyebrows and oh my gosh. Me and my mama have different tastes when it comes to like 
eyebrows, not necessarily makeup styles, but like eyebrows. Like we're mama, mama is a light complexion, complexion woman, but like she knows how colors go. And so again, I've shared this before, but my, it, my mama was always like, flatter you. Let's let's make sure we flatter you. And every time I would say, oh, I can't wear red lipstick, she would she would be the first one talking about who told you that. Girl, if you don't put that red on and go look good and quit playing with me, don't ever, don't listen to nobody to tell you you can't wear something because of what, don't have nothing to do with them. If it compliments your skin, it compliments your skin. And last time I checked, you can wear any color in the wheel you choose to 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 wear. So I don't know why you playing. You ain't got time to listen to nobody else but me. Anyway, so, you know, she, she, so we have a lot of similarities. She's bolder than me though. My goodness, this woman, let me tell you how fancy, my mama is very creative. Like she and I trade uh, paintings back and forth. We paint for each other. Um, <clears throat> she painted me, what did she paint me last Christmas? She painted me this in ornate, like kaleidoscopy looking painting and then she wanted me to replicate a painting that had done it like a sip and paint and it was bizarre but I was just like she actually wanted the one that I'd done for the sip and paint I was like no girl that was mine um and she was just like okay well then make me one just like it I was like all right so I made her one just like it for this Christmas um and I gave it to her and of course she loved it and of course she is in our office right now because that's my mommy she's corny Figured she was just going to take it to the house. She was like, no, I'm going to put this in my office. I'm like, okay. Anyway, um, but anyway, so she's super creative. She's super creative since I was little um, as an outlet because she always, she always worked for this. She worked for this company called Black & Veatch. And I don't know if y'all know what that is, but they're like an engineering firm. Um, She wasn't an engineer herself, but like she managed the engineers, I guess, if that makes any sense to you. Like she was like something like an office manager or something like that for the all of these engineers um and anyway I don't even know if Black and Beach even exists anymore um I don't even know what the heck they did but anyway um because she was like always working with blueprints like she needed for whatever her job was she needed to understand blueprints and stuff and I'm like all right girl well do you Uh, um anyway so you know, she would always, Black and Beach was not close to the house at all. Um, it was at least an hour drive one way. So essentially she's two of her two hours in her day were spent on the commute. And then if you consider traffic, it was more like an hour and a half one way, depending on the traffic and what traffic was given. And so she would, she always, she has lived ever since she was a child. She has had migraines. And so she, it was rare for me to see mama without bloodshot eyes when I was a child. And it was because she was always suffering in one way or the next from migraines. And so as a result, I can remember growing up in my house, it was always dark and I never thought anything of it. But looking back on it now, it was dark because mama had migraines. And anyway, so she, she would have this long commute. She worked for this uh, intense job. And so she always needed an outlet. So she would play in makeup, jewelry, mostly makeup and, and nail polish and clothes and stuff like that. And so, and, and, but then her biggest, greatest love were crafting, was crafting. And so to this day, she does make jewelry, but her real love is painting and 
making, you know, creating designs for her nails and, and exploring different things with makeup. And so if I ever want to just like really knock it out of the park with mama, I'll get her like the most off the wall color of makeup off the wall, like really weird, not weird, but like colors that normal, not normal, but like magenta shoes. If I get my mama some magenta shoes, she going to make that thing happen. And if I'm honest, if you give me magenta shoes because of my mama, I'm going to make it happen. Right. Or this really ridiculous velvet teal. I'm going to make that thing happen. It's not my favorite color, but I guarantee you I'm going to blend the mess out of that thing. I'm going to do some color blocks like you've never seen before. And I get that from my mama. Anyway, and daddy's fashionable too. He just doesn't like, he likes muted tones. He's, he's, he's a muted tone person. Plus he's colorblind. Like he's, um, is it blue green? He's colorblind in some way or another. So he just, he tends to rely on mama to help him with certain colors because he can't see them. Um, but I don't have a problem seeing them. Um, that was tacky anyway, (laughs) but no. So like mom and I, we play back and forth with makeup and colors and stuff and talk about little color themes. But the one place where we miss every time is eyebrows. That woman is from the era where maybe it was cool to have like pencil thin eyebrows. And so every chance she got when I was little, she'd snatch them. to within an inch of their life. And so on my past, my very first passport picture, I was, was I 16 years old? My very first passport picture when I was 16. Um, in that image, she had, she'd helped me do my makeup and then she had done my eyebrows. And of course they were pencil thin. And so I look at that photo because I still have it. You know, I, it, it's just a keepsake at this point. Um, but I look at that photo. I'm like, that's my mama hand right there. And them daggone eyebrows. Cause you know, she didn't pluck them. You know, she didn't pull them. She straight, she raised, she used a, a ray, took a razor to them. And Lord, I can remember she's, I think she, she accidentally, like every once in a while she would accidentally cut me. And I'm like, ma, like, no, don't touch. Mm-mm. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. But she was like, well, you can't handle the, the plucking. And I know you're not supposed to call it. You're not supposed to call it plucking, but whatever. Uh, tweezing. Um, because tweezing is of the devil, but I do it because I'd rather do that than try to shave it because I mess around and cut myself over here looking like Scarface. Anyway, um, so yeah, so that passport picture, I look like I'm 32, even though I'm, you can tell in the face, I got a chipmunk, I got chipmunk cheeks. I have a baby face in that photo, but I look like, like, first off, you can't even see my whole outfit. And I was really mad because in that outfit, I wasn't wearing... I wasn't wearing my Mary James for that outfit. I had these blood red boots that I put with them. They were like a, not blood red, but they were like, daddy calls them ox blood. Where, how can I describe it? They're like a brown that has red in it, like a rich brown that has red in it. I had those with that gray suit that had black and brown check checkers on it. Cause it, uh, what the heck plaid plaid black and brown plaid on it. Um, because it, it matched well and I was doing it, but you couldn't see none of it. All you could literally see in my passport picture was my shoulders from my show, the top of my shoulders up. And I wasn't even looking at the camera. I was looking off in the distance and I'm like, why y'all make me do that? Like, why didn't you, I'm mad at the portrait artist for, for making, for knowing that I'm not looking in the camera and taking the picture anyway, punk. Anyway, so of course I, when I had my next opportunity, when I renewed my, my, uh, passport, Yes, Miss Thing, I didn't have straight hair anymore. I had, I had me a little, a cute fro and I had color to it. And it was, 
it was cute because but by happenstance because i have time i'd be coloring my hair at the house and so i had colored it blind and it had not not it was like a honey blonde and it had grown out so the tips of my curly hair was my afro were like a honey blonde and the the middle parts were like it was like grading back down to my natural dark brown and anyway it looked cute and then I had this colorful uh sweater on and then of course my makeup was popping and of course I even though I did wear glasses I did not have them on in the photo because at that point I was becoming vain about wearing glasses even though I had been wearing them for a decade I've becoming be I was vain so I but my point was I got a chance to redo my picture and not have pencil thin eyebrows and so even though again you could not see but the top of my shoulders you saw this pretty face okay it was framed accordingly okay anyway I was very proud of that picture and I was looking at the camera thank you very much punk I had to, I got my redemption back anyway why did I shoot Ah, dang it, I done lost it. Oh, I was talking about, <laughs> I was talking about Ink Master and how dated things were. And anyway, those outfits in the second season, it was clearly in the early 2000s because those outfits were so doggone dated. But baby, Dave Navarro, over the years, my dear, you talking about aging like a fine wine. I believe he's of, of Latin, Latinx descent, but maybe he's not, I don't know. I feel like he's got some brown in there somewhere and close to him. Um, I don't know. I have to Google it to see, but it's just, I, mm, mm, mm. woo wee. It's just something about him. I don't know what to tell you. Mm. Anyway, um, even though he wears these shawls sometimes, I'm like, honey, if you don't, don't stop it, but whatever, you can wear your shawl. You fine. It don't matter. Anyway, um, but anyway, so I'm watching Ink Master and then like I told you, I w- got back into my real house housewives franchise and so i watched the the finale for the the i had already watched the first part of the three-part finale for real housewives of potomac but um after christmas i ended up watching the um i think on on kwanzaa i began uh first day of kwanzaa i began watching the other two or i watched the other two uh parts of it and I think the only thing I really want to say, and now watch, I'm going to spend 15 minutes talking about it, but I think the only thing I really want to say about the house, the Real Housewives of Potomac is that I'm glad that Monique is leaving. I think this was toxic for her and her family. I think I don't think she was the toxic one. I think this show is not good for them. I think she fights. When, I think she doesn't play dirty games, and, and this show makes you do that. It it's, makes you play games. I think she has nothing to prove. And I think it's right for her to take her bird and her family and go live a happy life and keep being successful. Um, I think we saw that Chris and Chris and Chris, whatever, Monique and Candace's husband, they got heated in one of the reunions and one of the, the scenes of the reunion, but they dapped it up after they, lo- they left the stage. So they're cool. I think I think it's better that I'm not a believer that I got to be friends with the the partners of my baby's friends. I don't it's it's yes, it would be nice. Like my my hubby has a best friend. Uh one of his best friends that is like a brother to him. I happen to like his wife. But it wouldn't be the worst thing in the whole world. It wouldn't be the end of the world if I didn't. Like we're grown. 
I don't have to, we don't have to go paint each other's nails. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't have to be best friends. It's a bonus that we are, we can get along. Like we're not even tight friends, but like, I like her. I don't have a reason not to like her. And I don't, I wouldn't mind hanging out with them as a couple, but that would not mean any less to his friendship, nor to my relationship with my husband. If he, if I didn't get along with his best friend's wife, do you know what I mean? Like we're grown, we're all grown. And so I do think that the Monique and, and, and Candace's husband's friendship can remain pretty strong, even if they're not friends. That said, I also think a lot of this was exacerbated by the fact that this show happened. And again, I enjoy Monique, but I don't think she's, she's not a TV personality. She's not because she's, she's, and I hate to say it this way, but like, she's, she doesn't play the games. Like she, she hams it up, but like she takes what they're saying to be real and personal and she's not built for it. And so it's good for her to leave. It's, I think this is the right move for her to leave. I'm bored with Giselle. I want, I want her, I want her storyline to be downplayed. Um, I want to hear more about Karen. Karen's more exciting to me. I'm bored with Ashley. Um, I hope I wish her nothing but the best in her, her pregnancy. I really don't care more to hear more about her and Michael, but we are going to hear more about her and Michael. I really don't care about Robin and her storyline, even though we're going to hear more about her whole storyline next time is going to be all about her getting married. Um, Candace, I just need her to get some surreal support and help. And I actually don't think she's built. <clears throat> she's good TV, but I don't think emotionally she is actually built for TV because she cries a lot. And I think she means those tears, even though they're annoying to you and me. She's an emotional person and I don't think she's built for TV either, but I bet you she's going to come back. She's going to come back next season. She is. I don't know how much longer she's going to be on it though, because I think she's going to wake up one day and realize she's not built for TV and she's going to take her ball and go home. And hopefully by that point, she will have finessed this show into other opportunities for her. Um, yeah, but she's not built for this show. Um, when Dr. Wendy... She's boring to me. Her husband and kids are more interesting to me. She, her life outside of her conflict in the housewife group is more interesting to me. And, but I'm not going to get that. She's ambitious. She wants to be on this show. So she's going to do what it takes to try to stay on this show. Unfortunately, I think she's going, it, it's going to backfire. And I don't know how much longer she's going to be on this show, or maybe her role will be relegated to the mean woman, the mean girl the whole time. Um, but like that has only lasted Giselle for a little while. And then that played her out. Even, even, even going back to um, the Grand Dame, whose name I, Karen. Karen couldn't be the mean girl the whole time. Like, and even though Karen talks out of both sides of her neck and you know it, um, she's also evolved. And now even in this, this um, even in this reunion, she seemed more of the supportive Let's break. She seemed like more of a uniter, even though she was a little bit of an instigator. She was also a uniter. And especially when it came, she was an instigator when it came to uh, Giselle. But Giselle is the mean girl and she's been playing the mean girl. She's been she's essentially taking that role over for Karen for the last, what, three seasons. And it's not looking good on her. And I don't know how much longer we can take this unless she changes her. She switches her character into not being the, the mean girl anymore, but being on a redemptive arc like Karen is on like but I'm bored with this I'm bored with this I'm bored with her 
I don't believe that her and Jamal, like she put her relationship out there for everyone to see. I don't believe it's a legitimate one. I believe it is one for out of convenience. Um, and I wish to never hear about Jamal Bryant again, to be honest with you. I haven't, when I moved to Baltimore, when I moved to Baltimore, I never heard great things about Jamal Bryant. Now I know you take that with a grain of salt, but like, even when he was here, it, 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 the things that he was doing, it always felt like he was pulling stunts. It came across that way to me. It came across that way to a lot of folks in my church crowd that I roll with. It always felt like he was pulling stunts. Even there, there was one time, there was one time back in the, um, in the uprising after Freddie Gray, he shut down, he and his congregants, or not all of his congregants, but many people that were with him shut down 83. I don't know what that accomplished. I'm not saying that protests don't accomplish anything because there were other people out there getting things done. Leaders of a beautiful struggle. There were other people that were out there with them that were working in collectives that were actually even still on the ground to this day, getting things accomplished here in the community. I don't really too much hear about uh, Jamal Bryant's old church that he left for Atlanta. Do you know what I mean? So like, I don't have really great I don't have a great opinion of him as is. And then when I hear, I just, it's just not set up for me to really too much care for Giselle's story arc. If it's revolving around her being first lady of a church where she doesn't even attend. Do you know what I mean? Like, and again, if you, I'm not talking about this on a spiritual basis. I'm not even assassinating anyone's spiritual life. I'm exclusively talking about the optics of you being the in the black church, if you know nothing about the black church, the 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 for all intents and purposes, the leader of the black church are the pastor and their pa- and their spouse. And then it's it. But but ultimately, the pastor is elected by the um, depending on the type of church you're in, elected by the um, the body. But the the pastor's boss or at least the mouthpiece for the body are the deacons. The deacon, the deacons are the ones that are like, OK, you the head of this thing, but if you don't do the will, if you're not running this thing the way the, the church body want to run it, you, you out of here. The people that vote, the people who, who put folks up to get out, to be put out of the church and talking about the leaders of the church, talking about the pastor, um, are the deacon board and at the request, they, they're the ones that bring it to the vote for the body. If the pastor's running a foul, look at the, that, uh, that white pastor, um, out of that mega church that got put out. Um, in California, I can't call his name, but he was, I think he pastored Justin Bieber. Um, he got put out and I think it went something like this. The, the deacon board or the equivalent of the deacon board called the, the leadership together, called the voting body, the members together. And they voted based on the evidence that was presented, um, whether or not this person should remain in their leadership role as pastor. It's something like the, actually the deacon board actually, actually acts like the board of directors and of a, like a, of an organization and the members of the church act like the members of a nonprofit organization. I hate to equate it to that, but it is kind of structured that way. Um, anyway, and so they pulled them out, you know what I mean? Like that's the, that's the way it goes. And so my thing is when you, the whole reason why I said any of that is because when you pastor uh, a church different than a, a nonprofit organization, your whole family is a part of that church too. Your whole family is a part of that church, unless your kids have moved away and they've got their own lives and they're older. But by and large, if you are under 18, you are a part of that church, right? 
Um, and if you're separated, that's, you know, you work that thing out. But by and large, when you take on a pastor, you take on the pastor and his family. And so she says that she's the first lady. They're divorced, but she, she feels like she's the first lady. I guess my frustration with that is then girl, you need to be in Atlanta because again, if this is your man and y'all are rekindling things and you don't know where it's going, but you're rekindling things, that's it's not necessarily your place is at his side, but your place is at that church to help grow it because to help, to help minister there because everybody in your family has a role to play. And anyway, it just like, she doesn't even talk about that. And maybe that's on per, I don't know. It just feels like a sham because she keeps saying she keeps, I guess this is why I'm bringing it up. She keeps saying that she's the first, you know, that's, that's my, that's my boo. We together. And, 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 you know, I go, we go back and forth all the time and I'm like, but I'm not really hearing you talking about, how you're engaging with that congregation, what you're adding to it. Like, I don't know. I think that to me, that's why it feels like it's fake and phony. And I really don't want to hear no more. I don't want to hear anymore. Cause at the end of the day, I know, I know, I don't know much, whatever. I just don't like what I see. Um, and so, yeah, the only one that I really, really want to hear from is Karen because her story is the most interesting. It just is. You want Messi, go to Giselle. You want Messi, go to Ashley. You want Messi, go to Candace. You know, Robin to a certain extent, but her storyline is boring at this point. Um, and Wendy, we don't know you, girl. We just getting to know you. So anyway, it's whatever one that. Um, so yeah, that's Real Housewives of Potomac. We'll see. Who, I wonder if they're going to replace Monique. They might. They just might replace Monique. I don't know who with. But it's definitely got to be somebody different than Dr. Wendy because I just, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling Dr. Wendy's, um, I'm just not feeling, I it just, she, it's like she's trying too hard. I want to hear more, excuse me, I want to hear more about her work outside of fighting, uh, you know, trying to get in with good with the ladies. But then again, that's exactly what Ashley spent the first, her first season really trying to do, talking about how she wants to get in with these influential ladies and all of this stuff. So whatever or these women. Um, anyway, so moving on to them, um, I started watching Atlanta and again, I've never, I haven't really been the biggest fan of Atlanta. If I'm honest, like I haven't watched all of the seasons because there are only a few people that I actually care about watching candy only because it's interesting. Her dynamic with her husband and the kids and stuff like that. Like I enjoy seeing that. Plus I, I actually like Candy, even though she can, she can be a little bit messy. She's not the messiest on there. Um, I didn't really like Portia. I go back and forth, but right now I really like her. Um, because at first I thought she was posturing in her uh, her activism, but actually she's being smart. She's using the platform she's got. I feel like she's genuine. She's been arrested twice and you wouldn't do that if you didn't, you wouldn't put yourself in that position if you didn't actually believe in what you were doing because there are plenty of people who will go out here stunting at the protest, but go just shy of getting arrested. But she's been arrested twice. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm here for her and her journey because she's never been my favorite person. She's always seemed very superficial and whiny to me, but I actually like what she's doing now. Um, and I'm going to just put this out here. I'm going to just put it out here. I actually like Kenya, even though she's mean. She's mean. She's a bit of a mean girl. I really feel for her because I feel like she's putting on. 
she's in a terrible marriage that uh, we know at this point is going to dissolve. Uh, it's going to dissolve on this show. It's already dissolved. It devolved on this show. And now it's just going to be kaput on this season. Um, she had a baby when she was older, which I aspire. Like I'm, I'm still in charge. Anyway, I'm being weird. I'm being weird, but I'm 37 years old and I'm thinking I, I got one le- egg left and I know that's not true, but anyway, um, <laughs> and ignore me. Just, just act like I didn't say that. Just ignore me anyway. Cause I'm such a, I'm so dramatic sometimes, man. Like I'm so dramatic anyway. Um, you should see my, my husband. Oh my goodness. If you rolled your eyes just now at that comment, my husband, like, Every time he just, he just stare. He don't even roll his eyes anymore. He just stares and he's like, right. And then and I'm like, you, you ain't had to be disrespectful. Like, I know I'm being foolish, but like, you didn't even say that I was being foolish. You just said, right. But the way you said, right, made me feel condemned. And I just, you know, that was too much anyway. Um, <laughs> but sometimes you just got to look at me and stare and say next to nothing or like one word, because sometimes I'm just too much anyway. So but yeah, like I, I really like her. I really, really, really like her because I feel like there's a vulnerability down there that she doesn't want to show. So she's always nitpicking other people. She's always deflecting, but at the end of the, she's deflecting from the fact that she's a sensitive person. She's a sensitive person who ultimately is a caregiver. If, if she's nothing else, watch what she does. She, you might say that she's, she's a bit uh, like, um, what is it? You know, she spends a lot of time cleaning house and stuff like that. And you might think that that's backward, that she's doing that whole take care of your man thing. And there's an element of that that I don't appreciate because you, come on, you don't live for your husband. You guys are, you guys are there for each other. But like, there's a piece of her that is nurturing. Underneath that, oh, I do this for my husband. I keep a good house. Is actually a nurturing person is what I see. I see someone who's very nurturing, but she's not been allowed to do that, except now that she's able to be nurturing with her child. And I believe that she's is a good mom. Um, I just, I want to see her grow and change. I don't know what she was like in the very beginning. I know that she was friends with Nene in the very beginning. Um, and we see how that turned out. I don't know what the, I'm glad Nene's off the show because that was too chaotic for me. And that was too intentionally mean for me. Um, but I want Kenya to switch from being the mean woman into being more of her authentic self. Cause I don't think this is it anyway. So yeah. So anyway, so I'm watching that. I haven't finished. Um, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, I will have finished. So anyway, um, so yeah, that's real housewives. That's I'm just shooting the breeze. That this is me just shooting the breeze, talking about a whole bunch of reality stuff and talking about a bunch of different things. I don't know what I'm going to do next episode. I'm going to keep it light. Oh, shoot. There is a ambulance on our block. Oh, no. Somebody's not well. Um, anyway, um, I am so nosy. Even when I'm watching the show, I'm looking out the window. I got to get out of this house. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, y'all be safe. Y'all be safe. Y'all be careful. That that mutated strand has made its way to the United States and they talking about it's just in California. And I know that's a lie. I know Gavin said what he said. Uh, Governor of California said what he said is, is here in, in California. What that means to me is that it's over here on the East Coast, too. What that means to me is that it's probably already in Maryland. And they're saying that it is more contagious than the first strain because it's this is now fully airborne. And I just want y'all to be careful. I'm going to be careful. Let us just 
let us just be cool. Um, hopefully we, this vaccine will help protect us against this mutated strain. Although I don't know that that's how that works. Um, anyway, just take care of yourself and take care of the people around you. Be smart, make smart choices. And yeah, um, happy new year. Happy new year to you. If you're listening to it, um, on, uh, the day this comes out, which is the 31st, or if you're listening to this on new year's day, uh, happy new year to you. Um, or if you saved it, Hey, good, good to that. We're connected in this very minor way. Um, I wish you nothing but the best. I wish you great health and success. If you are grieving right now, I pray for your strength um, and your healing. If you are uh, going through a surgery or you have any ailments, I pray that you um, your speedy recovery and that you are well. Um, if you're making some hard decisions, I pray you make the right decision for you and that you have the courage to keep going and pursuing whatever that, that direction is. Um, because Lord knows... I'm trying to do that with my own self and we all need a little bit of encouragement. So anyway, thank you so much for listening. Um, you know, share this episode. Y'all are sharing it and I appreciate you for doing so. Um, I just thank you in advance for liking this thing, for rating it five stars, four or five stars, whatever. Um, if you leave a comment and it's positive, I will definitely read it um, because I enjoy that. If you want to leave me a voice note, you can do that. There's in the link in the description, there's a link that will take you to my anchor.fm page and you can just leave me a message. You don't have to download a thing in the world. If you have a comment about any of the reality shows or the clips that you saw on that, uh, that, uh, thread that I told you about, uh, I want to hear about it. Um, if there's anything else you want to share, I want to hear about that too. Um, yeah, just go ahead and leave me a message, uh, a voicemail. You can say how you feel in the when you go to the purple app or whatever app you're rating me on. Um, and then, like I said, thank you in advance for sharing any of these episodes over the years that I've created. Um, this is something that I enjoy doing and I'm going to continue doing this. If I make a buku dollars, I'm still going to be doing this. I'll just probably have better equipment to do it with because this is therapeutic for me in a way. Um, yeah. So anyway, thank you so much for listening. Happy new year. Um, until next time.